1: netsuite.com slash hollywood netsuite.com slash hollywood
0: oh this is a great hat
1: i can't believe we're already dealing with rap gifts it feels like we
0: just started shooting (laughs) we we did just start shooting (laughs) oh my gosh
1: Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Craft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah.
0: That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we'll talk about the
1: importance of calling in reinforcements.
0: Then in LVS, we'll debate the concept of busy bragging. Next, in The Craft and Fane, we'll talk about a surefire way to make your script read better. And this week's Hollywood Hack gives
1: dinner time a little refresh. Sarah, we have a couple of updates. First of all, I want to report to our listeners that I saw your Lazy Susan in action. We talked about you. you Yes, you did. We had a Hollywood Hack about getting a Lazy Susan for all of your vitamins and supplements, and yours is on your kitchen counter. And I saw your new house, which is so great. I love your new house. Absolutely (laughs) love it.
0: And then I was there and
1: I go, oh my gosh, it's the Lazy Susan. That was very exciting.
0: Yes. And I have to say, I love it more and more. I find it incredible incredibly helpful and efficient and it keeps everything in place. You just spin it around. <laughs> I'm 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 still a huge fan. Okay, good. <laughs>
1: Another update, Sarah. I wanted to yes. let everyone know. I think I've mentioned it before, maybe not on Happier in Hollywood, but only on Happier. Gretchen, my sister and I are doing No Complaining April. So we are trying not to complain that the entire month of April, we're now in April, of course, we've started. Have I been 100% successful? No, I have absolutely not. (laughs) But I thought maybe others would want to join me for the rest of April. It is a really interesting exercise because oftentimes I'll start complaining i mean you've witnessed this many yes. times and then i'll go oh <laughs> wait that's a complaint never mind <laughs> so it it does let you know how much you're complaining but it's
0: still early so we'll see how i do yes and i have to say i am not joining you in this <laughs> i mm. think this is going to be a particularly challenging month and one of us needs to be able to complain. Yes. <laughs> so you're my
1: surrogate complainer.
0: Yes. And you can just nod. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's mm, mm, hmm mm. mm. <laughs> Anyway, so I am trying. So anyway, if anybody wants to join me or is doing this, email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. And tell us how it's going. Yes. Okay, Sarah, let's dive into from the treadmill desk in which we discuss what's most
0: pressing in our work psyches. This week, it's call-in reinforcements. Yes, we are so excited because we have added our good friend and fellow TV writer, Kareen Rosenthal, to our staff for a few weeks. We were getting into, as we've talked about on the podcast, crunch time. It's very, very intense And Corinne had just finished a freelance and we were like, can we, can we swing it? Can we please call in some reinforcements? We need reinforcements. And we worked it out. And so it's going to be amazing. And we really, really needed it. And I think knowing that you need reinforcements and calling them in is huge.
1: Yes, And it's that, it's like where to put your resources, right? We, as we discuss many times, we have limited resources on this show, But one thing we have to have is scripts and we have to have them on time in order to make the show. And so it was worth it to us to put some of our limited resources toward another writer at a time when it's like, I I don't know how to say it, except the shit is
0: hitting the fan in
1: terms of (laughs) deadlines, (laughs) right? Yes. And
0: of course, this is is all because of the double ups that we do. We're doing six episodes of double ups, which means three times, we have two episodes shooting at the same time, which is crazy. Um, And that means scripts need to be done earlier. Everything needs to be done earlier and work gets twice as difficult.
1: So Sarah, we have an extremely small staff. So if we're not there and someone's writing and someone else is outlining, that leaves one person. Uh, (laughs) So what Corrine does is helps us keep things moving when we can't be in the room because we really needed another voice. And not only that, she's extremely experienced and she knows us really well. And she knows the show because she just did a freelance. So she is really contributing to keeping things moving. And I think that's a key part of calling in reinforcements as we talk about Mm -hmm. it as an action item. It's like, any old person won't do. If we couldn't have gotten Kareen, there's maybe one or two other people we could have asked. But otherwise, it really wouldn't have been worth those resources. It has to be the right
0: fit. Yes. And I'll say last year when we got to crunch time, we called in reinforcements as well. We called in Adam Belanoff, who is on our staff, thank God, this year. So yes, this is getting to be a thing that we realize we need to do.
1: And it's also really helpful to bring in a fresh person, someone who, I mean, everyone else has been working on the show since November 1st, I think it is. And it's nice to have someone who, yes, she's done an episode, but she's still fresh. So I think she has maybe more energy ideas just because she's hasn't been there the whole time.
0: Yeah. And it also just shakes up the dynamic of the room. Yes. Just having new blood, you know, it's a different dynamic. So nobody's kind of getting into a rut. It's great. She's been amazing. Yes.
1: And uh, the funny thing, just as a side note, Sarah, is you and I have been trying to work with Corrine for... I mean, like oh, 12 years, years years and years. Yeah. Right? Forever. Yeah. So it's fun for us to get to work with her because we've wanted to for so long. Hopefully it'll just be the first of many times. Yeah. But anyway, so that's nice for us. But it is a reminder. Just it's not just about a TV writing staff adding a person. There are just times in your life when you need to call
0: in reinforcements and it's worth the money absolutely no in my life i'm calling in reinforcements i have a new nanny starting today so that's right you just gotta do it yep sometimes we all need help coming up we debate busy bragging and whether we are guilty of it but first this break Liz versus Sarah, in which we discuss slash debate something that we don't necessarily agree about. And today it is busy bragging.
1: Yes, we got this letter from Chelsea who brought the question up. She says, yes, I often hear this talk about how busy you are and how there are all these things you would be doing, but you don't. I think this is a very common way that many people Show how successful they are. Rather than flash money, I think a lot of people talk about how busy they are and how they regret they can't do this or that. Why not just own that you are doing what you want to be doing and that likely the things you aren't doing that you've tried to do in the past are things you don't actually want to do? I did something similar when I decided to quit trying to go running and quit yoga, I also realized I never give myself credit for all the work I do because I'm not doing other good stuff like meditating. In reality, I like my job and I'm glad to be doing it. So this was interesting (laughs) because we read this and I was kind of like, yeah, I get it. I get the busy bragging. I think it is a thing that people do. Um, And I was like, yeah, I think we probably are
0: a bit guilty of busy bragging.
1: But you did not have that reaction.
0: I did not. I mean, I like my job and I'm glad to be doing it. But I also would genuinely like to be doing other things that I'm not able to do. And when I complain about it because I am not joining you and no complaint, April, it's because I'm genuinely complaining. I don't see it as bragging. And part of it, I would say maybe... Early on in the podcast, I would be busy bragging when it was like, oh, we're so, you know, like whatever. But lately, since the pandemic in particular, I'm just busy and it's awful and there's nothing to brag about. Right. Well,
1: Sarah, I should say you and I are in different positions, which is why we might feel differently about busy bragging, because you are legitimately much busier than I am being an only parent and right now homeschooling, I mean, those are two huge things that I do not have going on in my life. So I i see that you are busier than I am. As busy as I am, excuse the brag, I am also yeah. very busy, but not as busy as you.
0: Yes. And I can honestly say that I would rather be hiking and that if I had the opportunity, I would go hiking and enjoy it. <laughs>
1: Yes, I would go hiking every morning, let's say, if I wasn't so busy. Yes,
0: you do go hiking, and I'm so jealous every time I you do. Know. You're like, oh, I was just hiking, and I'm like, yes, oh, I, I know, was just hiking.
1: But I do think there's a thing in our culture, our American culture, yeah, where saying you're busy is like the highest form of virtue, right? It's like, I am working so hard. I'm so busy working. Look at me. Like I have no time. I'm just busy, busy, busy. So many people need me. Yes. I mean, I get that it sounds braggy. I think it's like a way for me of kind of like getting out anxiety. And I'll admit, like if I'm talking to my parents, for instance, I'm I'm so busy, I'm so busy. I mean, I guess I want a pat on the back or something. So maybe that is a little busy bragging on my part. Now, I will say, Sarah, this podcast is about us discussing our work and our personal lives. But, you know, it's the balance. But we focus a lot on work. I don't know how we would do the podcast and not talk about At least the things making us busy.
0: Yes, absolutely. I think it would not be honest if we were just like, oh, everything is fabulous. It's all so great. We're chill and our lives are perfectly balanced. (laughs) Right. Part of the thing is us being honest about how
1: it's not just like cruising through and like having a perfect home and a perfect family and a perfect career. It's like, no, this is all a big stew. It's a big mess. We're doing the best we can. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes that's not great.
0: Yeah, sometimes it's not. But, I mean, the thing is, if we just made it sound perfect all the time, I guess it would be pretty boring to listen to us. That would be busy bragging. That would be not busy bragging.
1: Right? Right. If we were like, no, Wait. we're great. <laughs> There's no problem. We're not too busy.
0: Oh, we're not too busy. We're just we're hiking and working twenty four hours a day and going to the spa. Then we would just be bragging. It
1: wouldn't be busy. Then lying. Just be bragging. Yes, and lying. <laughs> just be lying. <laughs> but but I get it. I get it. What she's calling us on, in a sense, is you're right. I wouldn't be meditating if I weren't working. I don't think I've ever said I, I would be. be. You would be. <laughs> I have said maybe that I would go to yoga if I weren't working, but maybe I wouldn't. It's true. But maybe I would. I don't know because I don't have the time. I think you would. I don't think you would go to spinning. Probably not. Let's be honest. (laughs) But anyway, Chelsea, it's an interesting point. I am very curious if other people like if this is a pet peeve of theirs, busy bragging, because I think for a lot of people, it really annoys them when people busy
0: brag. And this is not something that we had heard of before. It's an interesting idea. Yes, yes. The concept
1: just got my mind going. so I love <laughs> yeah. I love a new concept. <laughs> so do email us again, it's happier in Hollywood at gmail.com and tell us your thoughts on busy bragging. <laughs> Okay, Sarah, it is time for our The Craft and Fane segment where we discuss the craft of writing for television because
0: although it's an art, it is also a craft. Right. It's not just inspiration. It's understanding character, structure, arcs, all that good stuff. So, Liz, today we're going to talk about one of the most important elements of writing in general, but certainly writing for TV, cutting extra words. Yes. Here's the thing. We always
1: say to people, you want as few words on the page as possible, which sounds kind of weird when you're saying like you're writing and you want as few words on the page as possible. That's odd. But if we get a Mm -hmm. script and it has a lot of blank space on the page, we are like, oh, this is probably good. And if we get a script
0: that has no blank space, we're like, ooh, worried about this one. Yeah. This is going to be dense and exhausting and probably we will be plodding through it.
1: Yes. TV writing really is about economy of words. We are always trying to have the fewest number of pages that we can. So every word really needs to count both in terms of just your page count and for readability. It is just easier to read
0: fewer words. Absolutely. And also people generally don't talk in long monologues. There's description and there's dialogue. And in dialogue, people often just say what they mean. (laughs) And even if in real life we might babble on, on TV, you generally don't want to see people babbling on.
1: And in description, you want your description to be as brief as possible because it's really just a map to the reader and the actor and the director and everybody else to know The intention, but the dialogue is what was really going to land. So, Sarah, we have an example of a description line that the first time you read it, you go, "Okay, that's a line. But then we have examples of how you can cut it down to be much more economical.
0: Yes. So, Liz, you picked this sentence. It's a great long sentence. (laughs) <laughs> Rourke crosses the room to the sofa and sits down. And that's 10 words. And you
1: could say, like, okay, that's a, dis- that I get what happened. She crosses the room to the sofa, sits down. But if you say Rourke crosses to the sofa and sits, that's only seven words. And you still know exactly yes. what happened. Yes. And even better, you could take it to five words. Rourke sits on the sofa. Because obviously she crossed the room to the sofa if she sits on the sofa. Yes. Or you could just say Rourke sits because it oh really doesn't. My God. Two words. Because it really doesn't <laughs> matter that she's sitting on the sofa, probably. It's just you want to get the idea that she sits down to settle into a conversation
0: And you go, ah, they can figure out where she sits on the day. Exactly. We don't know what the blocking of the scene is going to be, how the director's going to decide to set it up, where the actor's going to want to stand. As long as she sits, so you get the feeling, like you said, that she's settling into a conversation, it doesn't really matter where. It doesn't matter if she crosses. What if she's standing by the sofa? Exactly. So, right.
1: What if she is right by the
0: sofa and she's not
1: crossing (laughs) anywhere? So that's how... A sentence goes from 10 words to two words and loses, in my opinion, absolutely nothing But makes the read easier for whoever has to read the script. Yes.
0: And gives you more room for dialogue. Yes, but that's the thing. And we've talked about this before. The length of a script when you turn it in has so many implications. There's a psychological implication. There are production implications. Like, it really matters what that last number is on the last page of the script. And if you're just like, blah, 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 blah in description, but it doesn't actually affect what the actual episode will be, you're messing with people's heads in a way that's not necessary. (laughs) You're going to cause panic Unnecessary panic. And the reason we know it's almost always
1: possible to cut the number of words you're using is because you and I do this all the time. So even though we're fairly aware of this, oftentimes we'll need to get a script down two pages, let's say. And you and I are not above cutting a word here and a word there to get big chunks of dialogue to come up onto a previous page. And we know if we look at a chunk of dialogue and there's one word that hangs over a line, so instead of being four lines, it's five lines or three lines, you know, it's four lines, then you and I can almost always find a way to make that piece of dialogue shorter and therefore the script shorter, to bring the line up, which tells us we've used more words than we need to. Often it's whole sentences. I mean, that's another thing. right? In dialogue, there are often full sentences that you just don't need. So when you're writing, go back and look and say, do I need this? Come on. Is it necessary? (laughs) Oftentimes the answer is you can cut and it'll read better.
0: And sound better yes. and play better. And if you have a long chunk of dialogue, look at it and say, am I saying the same thing twice in different words? Yes. Because that happens all the time. And you really only need to say it once. And yeah, Liz, we don't mess with margins. We learned our lesson about that a long, long time ago. We don't mess with margins. We don't mess with font size. We keep it to the exact format that everyone expects because yes. otherwise it really bites you in the ass.
1: Yes. Have we We told that story, Sarah. If not, we should just mention it on our first pilot. I hate admitting it. I know. On our first pilot, Women's Murder Club, our script was too long. So we had the bright idea to put it on final draft tight, (laughs) which basically saved us. I mean, probably five pages. Yeah, probably. So our script and no one noticed. So our script was quite a bit longer than it should have been. And as a result, and this is where the hard lesson came in, our cut was
0: like 13 minutes long, at least. Yeah, but what cut? I mean, cuts are often long and then they end up not long, but it was too long.
1: In this case, though, it was legitimately too long. And we ended up to get to time having to cut big chunks and then the story stopped making sense. Then it was a bit of a disaster. So we swore yes. that time that we would never ever <laughs> mess with the margins again.
0: Ever. No final draft tight for us.
1: No, they shouldn't even do final draft tight. That shouldn't exist. No, it shouldn't exist. No, yeah, it really shouldn't. <laughs> All right, coming up, Sarah has a hack inspired by her recent moves. The first, this break. You can learn more about student visionaries of the year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's
0: lls.org slash students. Okay, Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. I feel this one very personally. Get new dishes. Okay, so you were recently moving and you told me, you said,
1: I am so sick of these dishes I have, especially (laughs) because you had dishes that chipped very easily. I loved them at first. Right. But (laughs) then they turned out they chipped easily.
0: And you said, I'm getting rid of all my dishes and getting new dishes. Yes. And I have to tell you, few things have made me happier than looking at my dishes going, you know what? These look terrible now. If they hadn't been so chippy, I would have kept them. But these are not working for me anymore anymore and replacing them. And I have to say also, this doesn't have to be a super expensive hack. I got my new dishes from Crate and Barrel. I got a set, not super expensive, and I love them. I absolutely love them. And they're like in my new kitchen and it makes everything feel so fresh and new. And every time I pull one out of the cabinet, I'm just like, I'm going to so enjoy these eggs I'm having on my new dishes.
1: (laughs) And Sarah, we should link to these in the show notes so that in case anyone's interested. But I was thinking you were telling me about this and I was thinking, you know, I could apply this to like new underwear and new (laughs) t-shirts. I think those are things where to have fresh just feels like a a new beginning it's just a nice
0: start and they get so uh, worn out they get worn out and we don't really notice i think that's the thing about dishes and underwear and t-shirts and other things we don't really notice but it still makes our lives just slightly more blah a little grotier, a little yeah a little little less fresh yeah
1: (laughs) yeah my problem what i do is if i get a new t-shirt I don't get rid of an old T-shirt. ah, And that's, and this is why get I'm, I'm proud of you is that you got rid of those dishes that were chipped and no good rather than just getting new dishes. Getting rid of the old ones is
0: part of
1: the process.
0: Yes. Out with the old and with the new. There's a reason that's a phrase. <laughs> yes, exactly. So. <laughs>
1: From now on, when I get new underwear and new t-shirts, I don't need new dishes at this m- moment, but I'm going to try to follow the in with the new, out with the old. Yes. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to
0: Hollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please follow us if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram, at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the
1: Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts. Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything
0: Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S. and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fane. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it.
1: So, Sarah, how much were your dishes total?
0: I don't remember, but it was in the hundreds. You know, it was like low hundreds, I would say, to replace all of my dishes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Salad plates, bowls, dinner plates, and four mugs. You know, I really don't need mugs, but I really like them. They're super
1: nice. (laughs) That's amazing.
0: From the Onward Project...